Thank you for joining us for Focus on the Bible with Dr. Freddie Coyle. Freddie is the president of Focus Evangelistic Ministries based in Danielsville, Georgia. Here he is now. One sunny day in a far off place, I visited a temple with some other missionaries in a country. There inside that temple was a statue of a god, a false god. It was 90 feet tall, made of hard, cold concrete. And under that statue lay a bunch of yellow bananas. A great big bunch of bananas that looked better than any in the market I had ever seen. And around the base of that 90 feet tall statue walked a lady. She was barefoot and around and around she went, trying somehow to make her God happy with her and what she had done. By the time we finished our visit to that temple, that lady was still walking silently around and around as we went out of sight. How about you, friend? What have you done towards God that he would be happy with you? Now, we know that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And aren't people trying to find a way, all of them, to get to God? A way somehow that through whatever they need to do, God would be happy with them. What have you done in your own life that God would give you his forgiveness over your sin? What have you done that would make God happy with you? What have you done in your own life to arrange that one day after you die that you'll go to heaven to be with him? What do you have that makes you saved? Let's talk about this. If the question that we ask when we focus on the Bible is, what do I need to do in order to be saved to eternal life? Then the clear answer is found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. I want to look at this with you today. Ephesians 2, verse number 8 is where we'll begin. I want you to watch the word that describes what it is that you would need to do that God would have you in His favor, that God would be on your side, that God would consider that you now, regardless of the fact that you are a sinner, that you've fallen flat, but that you would be saved from all that you've done that's wrong in the eyes of God, that you could enjoy Him forever in heaven. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's break it down. If the question is, what do I need to do to be saved? The answer is, by grace are you saved. Now, this is so different than what most people think. Most people are looking for some way to pay God off, to satisfy God, to do some unpleasant thing that somehow would make God happy, that they've paid punitive damages to Him. Most people look for some way that would make themselves very sad, that if they could become so sad over their sin, finally in the end, God would be happy because they were so sad over what they had done That was wrong in the eyes of God. But the Bible gives a different message. The Bible says that in order to be saved, it takes God's grace. Now, most people have an idea that somewhere in the mix of it all 
is the idea that God loves us. But I want you to know, friend, that God will not save you by his love. How do we know that? Because God so loved the world, and yet the world that had that love from God was still a world that needed to be saved. It takes something beyond God's love in order for salvation to occur. And that thing, that single thing, that thing that the Bible repeats over and over and over again so many times on the ears of those who will not receive it, is it takes God's grace to be saved. And only His grace. Only grace could make a sinner right in the eyes of God. It's by grace, but what does that mean? Well, most people don't know. The only thing that God says in the Bible that would save us into eternal life is God's grace, and yet most people would struggle to define it. Some may say it means unmerited favor. The unmerited is actually an application, though. It's not a part of the definition. And we do understand that if we get God's favor then it certainly would be unmerited on our part because we are sinners who've fallen flat and fallen short and stand today in need of salvation. It's by grace and it's God's favor. But how in the world could a sinner come into the favor of God? Well, that's exactly what that young lady was doing at that temple in front of a 90-foot-tall concrete statue of her God. And she thought the bananas would be an offering to God that would maybe make him happy over her sin. And she thought that all her pleading and all her praying and all her walking around and around could possibly come to a happy ending with her God. How wrong she was in view of the Scriptures. The Bible says, by grace... Are you saved? But how could God be happy though we've sinned? Well, it's through this, through faith in Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. This faith is not some happy walk. It's not wishful thinking. It's not positive thinking. It's faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And the Bible says that those who through faith receive God's grace are saved. And that that salvation is a gift from God. Look with me, verse 9. He says, it's not of works. It's not of works. Not of works. Friend, if you had an understanding that your works could help God to save you, simply, you were wrong. And all those who somehow think that God uses law, obedience, sacrificial gifts, tithes, offering, water baptism, any manner of things we consider good works in order to be saved are outside of what the Bible says. It's by grace, through faith, and it's the gift that comes from God. Here's how it works. God's wrath over our sin leads us to death. We all owe God a death penalty. And right now, those who are sinners are looking at God and they expect God to be looking down a gun barrel of death at them. But a long time ago, one fine day, 
there was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is God, stood on top of a hill. On that day, he didn't walk in circles, and he didn't carry bananas. He carried a cross. He went straight to the place called Golgotha, and in those moments, Jesus Christ stood between sinners and God, his Father. In those moments, Jesus Christ bore on himself. He took on himself. Paul the Apostle wrote it like this, that he became sin for us. Every sin of your life and mine, little sin, big sin, secret sins, we wouldn't want anyone else to know, all were taken by Jesus Christ and gathered to himself. On that day, on that hill, Jesus Christ heaped on himself all the sin of all people of all time, and it carried with it the stench of death. God aimed his wrath, his anger, his displeasure on top of that hill where all the sin of all people of all time rested in that moment in one geographical spot on the surface of the earth. And in that moment, God the Father pulled the trigger and sent a crushing blow of death onto the one who bore that sin, who happened to be his only son. This is how serious God is over the payment he demands for our sin. He told Adam in the garden, for in the day that ye eat thereof, you shall surely die. And that sin payment has haunted mankind ever since. But on that day, on that hill, Jesus Christ went to bat for every human being. He gathered our sin. He paid that penalty. He suffered the death blow delivered by his own father. The fiery wrath of God was delivered. And Jesus Christ offered on that day his payment to God the Father for our sin. God calls it the propitiation, the satisfactory payment. It will never be offered again because it satisfied God over your sin's death payment. And now, friend, if you would rest your faith in Jesus Christ, if you would stop walking circles, if you would stop trying to make your own religious offerings... And simply rest your faith in God's only way to forgiveness and eternal life. Then God would give a gift to you. It would be everlasting life. God will give you freely full forgiveness and restore you to God's place of favor. Because you've believed in his son. Most people have never understood this that I talk to. If I asked 10 people what they're trusting in that would save them from their sin into eternal life, usually about nine of them will give me some law-based answer. Something that they've done, some act of sorrow, some gift that they've offered to God that they hope was enough. But those are all law-based answers. I hope that you aren't thinking that you could ever be saved by law. Here's what the Bible says in Galatians in chapter 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ 
and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Friend simply said, if you're trusting in your ability to obey enough of the Ten Commandments that God would justify you, that God would put you in His favor over what you've obeyed in the law, then you are in that category of people that the Bible says no flesh shall be justified. I hope you'll change your mind over that, that you'll focus on the Bible, and that you'll agree with God that the only way you and I could ever be saved is by grace, that we would come into God's favor, not because of some offering we've made, not because of some barefooted walk that we've made, but that we rested our faith in Jesus Christ, and by our faith in Him, God gave us His grace. And found in God's grace, we were those who possessed the gift of God, everlasting life. Romans 2 verse 21 says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Friend, the worst thing that could ever happen to you would be that a perfectly good Savior would take a walk up a hill for you, would bear your sin in His own body, that he would pay the price for your sin, though it cost him his life's blood, and that you would go to hell anyway because you trusted in your own ability, your own giving, that you made your own way to God, regardless of what Christ the Son did for you that day on that hill. Won't you right now believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that you can be saved into eternal life with God? This is what we find when we focus not on what man says, but we focus on the Bible. Thank you for joining us for Focus on the Bible. It is our joy and pleasure to bring you this broadcast. We are so thankful for our family of supporters. If you would like to send a tax-deductible gift, you can mail that to Focus Ministries, P.O. Box 498, Danielsville, Georgia, 30633. If you would like more information, or to make an online donation, you can do that at www.freddycoil.org. Until next time, whether it's here, there, or in the air.